Okay, you guys. Editing stitch here. I'm sitting in my basement on the couch waiting for everyone to get home with my earbuds in and my laptop on. And I realized hmm. that in this episode, I keep using the term doctor and I should have said professional because you don't have to be necessarily like a clinical doctor to give a diagnosis. Therapists give diagnoses and I also keep saying diagnoses and not diagnosis, which is plural. I think I preferred to use that term just because most people don't just get one diagnosis. Usually you get multiple diagnoses or you get a couple rule outs or something along those lines. But I just wanted to say when you hear the term doctor, I just mean professional. And I also want to reiterate that I am not a professional. These are just sort of my opinions and what I've been thinking on lately. If you have any feedback on the things that I say in this episode, please get a hold of me. There's also some minor sound quality issues. I try to take care of them. There are even worse sound quality issues that I'm dealing with on another recording that I have because I haven't yet acquired the new ethernet cable for my office, but it is on its way. And when it gets here, you guys will have better quality podcast episodes in the near future. I promise. I know it's kind of ridiculous how everything's slowly coming together, but it is just me. And the way my brain works, it took me like four months to justify scheduling an appointment to get my hair cut because that's just kind of who I've turned into as a person, which is a whole other episode. Like, do you have problems with justifying your own self-care? Because I have problems with that. Oh, let's talk about that next time. Okay. Anyways, I'm out of here. Back to the episode. Thank you for listening to me ramble. Editing Stitch out. Hi. I've been having some thoughts on a concept lately, and I just sort of wanted to talk about them. I was going to record a Dear Taylor. I also should be putting out that episode with Pangu, but I have not even started editing it. But this is something that's been like rolling around in my brain. So I'm going to skip all the intro stuff. You already know I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Shoot me a text message. Check out the P.O. Box. Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi. I'm here. <laughs> but anyways, funny little side note. I always have an earbud in my ear when I'm recording, even though there's obviously no one that I'm interviewing right now. So I don't really need to hear anything. Is that weird? I've been thinking a lot lately about the concept of the diagnosis. It's something that I've sort of always obsessed over in myself. I think because when I was younger, with everything that I was going through growing up, I thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that there was a definitive thing. I remember when I was younger, I wanted to go to the doctors and I wanted to just run a bunch of tests on me to find the exact place where there was something wrong with me. Like what location in my body was the thing that was making my brain behave the way that it does. Because surely it was something inside of me. I had nothing to do with the things I was being put through. And I think that that's what made me obsessed with diagnoses. 
And what is my diagnosis? And how does someone with that particular diagnosis handle life? And I remember when I had court-ordered therapy when I was a kid, when my dad got custody of me, the doctor said that I had depression. Looking back now, I wonder if she was 100% honest with me because like, obviously there had to have been some form of freaking PTSD. How could there not have been? But she said I had depression. And then I went to the therapist that I have now, and this is after years of my own research. I thought for sure I was going to get like a real diagnosis. He said I had depression. At the time, I was severely depressed. So that was, of course, an adequate answer. Like, yeah, I had depression. But I always couldn't settle on just saying, well, she's depressed because I still felt like there had to be something wrong with me. I still felt like I didn't act the way that everyone else acted. And I didn't think the way that everyone else thought. And there has to be some type of a disorder or something. And then I don't remember which one came first, either my job or I started binging on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on Netflix. I remember watching it. And at the time, at the beginning of it, thinking, oh my gosh, she's so relatable. And then she progresses and she loses her handle on reality and her disorder becomes much more prevalent and she starts to act very erratic. And I kept watching it, but it was like watching a freaking train wreck. And I was just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. The whole time I was yelling at the TV because she was just acting freaking crazy. And then she was diagnosed, I think, with several things, but I remember it really stuck out that she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It made me wonder because at the time it was a newer diagnosis. And I feel like it still sort of is a newer diagnosis. When I first learned about borderline, it was seen as similar to bipolar disorder, only the highs and the lows were much more erratic. A person with bipolar disorder would have a bout of mania that would last a couple of weeks, a couple months, and then about a depression that would last a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Whereas a person with borderline would have their emotions fluctuate throughout the day to severe bouts of anger and sadness and extreme happiness, so on and so forth. And I found that really relatable at the time because I felt like my emotions were kind of not erratic, just more. I've always been told that I have this need to be much, you know, like if someone's just a bit much, my Halloween costumes on the occasion that I do Halloween costumes are a little bit more extreme. If I want to work on a room, I will completely empty out the room and I will paint it and then I will rearrange the furniture when I put it back in and maybe I'll buy all new furniture. I don't know, but I can go kind of over the top with doing things sometimes. So I found borderline sort of relatable, but then I've also read up on CPTSD and most people that have traumatic childhoods, wouldn't it make sense that they would have CPTSD? So I, like some of you probably, have just sort of always looked at different diagnoses and wondered which one was me? Which one did I relate to the most? I mean, borderline makes sense because 
my emotions fluctuate. And most people with borderline do tend to have traumatic childhoods. So is that what's wrong with me? Is that what I should be focusing on? But now in retrospect, now that I'm actually going through everything, trying to really deal with my past and resolve my issues, I've had some more time to reflect. And I'm starting to wonder if it wasn't just PTSD. Not that PTSD is a just something, but I don't know. And I do know that some doctors don't even work with disorders. They just want to treat the problems and not focus on labeling a person with something that is wrong with them. They just want to help them through a situation or multiple situations and help them with coping skills. And I actually think I really like that. I think that it can be sort of difficult sometimes to really draw the line and figure out a definitive diagnosis on a person. And obviously that's not my job or your job or anyone else's job unless they're a certified doctor. So what am I even doing looking at all these diagnoses and wondering, is that what's wrong with me? But I know that it's something that we do. And maybe it can help and maybe it can't help. Maybe it only helps some of us. I used to think that it would help me. But as I'm looking at everything, especially with everything that's going on in the media right now with the term borderline personality disorder and how it's becoming very synonymous with narcissistic personality disorder, it's really made me think more about things. Like, for example, people with borderline personality disorder have this fear of abandonment, and I have a fear of abandonment. They hate to be alone. And I used to say I hated being alone. But here's the difference. I was alone for years. After I moved in with my dad, I didn't really hang out with people. I would for spurts and get into trouble and do bad things. But in the summertime when there was no school, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't talk to anyone. I think I spent the night at my best friend's house a handful of times and that was it. There were no adventures. No one stopped by my house and I didn't stop by anyone's house. I was very, very alone. And before I lived with my dad, when I lived at my mom's house, I was constantly hiding. I was constantly alone or trying to be alone because I didn't want anything bad to happen to me. And then after I grew up and became an adult or became whatever you are in your 20s and you're still figuring things out, the only time that I would be around people would be when I would go to the bar. I would go to the bar because I didn't know how else to be around people because I had spent so much time being alone. And if you go to the bar, you pay for the drinks and then the people let you stay. No one has to invite you. You can just show up. And I remember the times that I've done that. When I first moved to this town, I lived here with my ex for two years and I didn't know anyone and I didn't have any friends. And then one day I just walked uptown and just went to the bar because it's a small town and that's all there is to do here. And I was tired of driving like 45 minutes to see the only remotely close to being a friend that I had at the time. I was really, really, really alone. I actually bought into an MLM because I was so alone. And then the drinking got really bad. Now I'm sober about four and a half years. I really like it. I don't want to start drinking again. I'm really happy with my life. But when I first got sober, after about a year of DDing for people and driving for them and holding their hair and finding their wallet and getting them home safely and staying up at all hours of the night just to be around people, when I decided to quit doing that, I became alone again. If I didn't have my kids, 
I didn't see anyone. And if they stayed with their dad for a week, you know, I would go to work and then I would come home and I wouldn't go anywhere and I wouldn't talk to anyone um, other than Pengu. And I think that was when I was getting to be friends with Taylor at the time. So do I have that symptom of borderline personality disorder, that fear of being alone? Or is it that I legitimately have spent a lot of time alone? And at the time, it did scare me. So I considered it a symptom because now, like right now, my kids are at their dad's. I have two and a half hours to record a podcast and edit it. My boyfriend is at soccer practice and he's going to be gone for the next couple hours. And I actually kind of like it. It's quiet. I get to think about things. I get to work in my studio. I'm very content with my alone time now. So is it that I was legitimately lonely as a normal everyday human being and now I'm not? Or is it that I had that symptom and now it's under better control because I'm under better control and I'm managing my well-being? This is something I was going to talk about with my therapist today, but we started talking about completely different things, so I didn't get around to it. But hopefully I'll have more definitive thoughts about it in the future. Or if any of you want to get on and talk about it, these are legitimate questions that I wonder if other people are thinking about too. And not just with borderline personality disorder and PTSD and CPTSD, just any of them. The thing that I find the most frustrating is that I'm noticing a lot more that there's this hate towards anyone that has cluster B traits right now. And it makes me wonder how many of us don't have cluster B traits, honestly, because we've fucking been through it and our reactions aren't normal reactions because we didn't have a normal childhood. And I don't think that that makes us bad people by any means. And I'm not saying that it's okay to do whatever you want because you're mentally unwell by any means, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the right to get better, which I think I've ranted about in the past. But I guess I just keep circling back to it because I keep feeling like, I don't know, like I have to justify that I want to get better. But I guess that's just part of it because I know that I personally sometimes struggle with whether or not I have the right to get better. I know that I've made mistakes and I've done terrible things and I've been mean to people and I've lashed out at people and handled things ways that I shouldn't have handled things. But I don't know anyone that's perfect. I don't know. I think that starting to dissociate really bad. I know that thinking about the past isn't going to solve anything by any means. It's really hard to feel like you deserve to get better at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day. I know that sometimes I wake up and I think to myself, I'm not hungover thinking about how I'm going to get through the day to the next night at the bar. And it wasn't even really about alcohol. It was just not being alone. And I think that it's all a part of it. I don't know what my point is. Maybe you guys know what my point is. Maybe you can just tell me what I'm thinking and pick out the parts that make sense and get back to me on it. <laughs> or maybe I don't even keep this. I'll just scrap it, put up the episode about Pengu and do a Dear Taylor soon. I just wish it made sense. But then I also wonder whether or not I should even take the time out to think about it because I'm not a, a doctor and I'm not a professional and I don't think that we have to become professionals to figure out what's wrong with us. I think that we just need to 
take everything one step at a time and address each thing as it is standing in front of us and recognize that we just want to be better people. It's not our fault that we're not already better people, but it is our fault if we continue to not be better people, knowing full well what it would take for us to get to that point where we were better. And when I say better, I don't mean like 100% cured, normal, perfect, white picket fence person, but at least attempt to save up the money for that fence. You know what I'm saying? It's been interesting reflecting on how far I have come since I started the podcast and how far I did come before I started the podcast. There was a point back there I was supposed to get to and I forgot about it. This is what I get for not taking notes this time. Oh, so I watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and found it somewhat relatable. But then also I have work. So at my job, I type out um, doctor's files. Obviously, I can't talk about them, but very generally speaking, there are diagnoses, definitive diagnoses and some rule out diagnoses. And there's these stories about these people and how they got to where they are. And some of these people aren't doing so great. And then these stories about how they got to where they are aren't that different from mine and from other stories that I've heard from other people. It's just they didn't buy the fence. They missed that part somehow that they were supposed to buy the white picket fence if they want to have it. So is it missing that part? Is it not buying the fence that gives them the diagnosis? Or is it just that they're unwell, whereas you and I, which I say you and I because you took out the time to listen. So you're looking for something. You're looking for a fence to buy. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Are we just slightly less unwell than the people that have the definitive diagnoses? Maybe we just hide it better. Sometimes it freaks me out how relatable these people are and seeing how much they did not buy the fence. And I don't think that it's fair. And I want something better and something more for all of us. We all deserve to get better. There isn't really an answer to the question that I set in front of you at the beginning of this episode, but there is a resolution and it's to buy the fucking fence. It's to take the first step. It is like I keep saying, do something that scares you. It doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what my diagnosis is. It doesn't matter if we have cluster B traits. It doesn't matter if there are certain things about us that can give us a label. As long as we look at the problems presented in front of us and try to handle them the best way that we can, a little bit at a time. And if you don't want a white picket fence, that's fine too. I won't judge you. I don't have one. I'm not getting one. <laughs> and if you're not already, go over and follow me on Instagram and like the picture of our newest mascot. Because the other day I was at a thrift store and I found the most perfect Stitch doll. And he's going to be hanging out with me or she. Was Stitch a boy or a girl? Send me a message and let me know whether or not you think Stitch was a boy or a girl. Or maybe neither. Probably neither. Hmm, I don't know. Anyways, we have our own Stitch doll now. And he is 
comfortably weighted. That's what his tag says on the front. He's got like sand or pebbles or something in his butt. Listen, that's stitch butt right there. You hear it? Stitch butt. <laughs> it's nice to have comfort objects. It's been a long time since I've had any really. I've been trying to use Zoom the last few months and I like it, but there's no counter on it and I don't know how long I've been talking. So this might be a short episode. It might be a long episode. I just had some thoughts I needed to get out about diagnoses and whether or not they mattered. And I still don't know how I feel about it. I really do want your input on diagnoses and whether or not they're important and whether or not we should judge people by them. I would definitely like to hear some feedback on that because that's something that's been bothering me for a little while. I didn't like, I understand that there's this huge stereotype about narcissism and everything, but to completely write off every single human that has any cluster B traits, like, I feel like that's a cluster B trait in itself if you're going to behave that way. I don't know. Maybe I don't know anything about cluster B traits. Maybe I need to read some more books, type up some more reports, listen to some more podcasts, but that's not the point of this. That's not why we're here. We're just figuring out how to be normal. We don't all have to become doctors and professionals. We have every right to live normal lives. So tell me what you think. The stitch number is area code 971-270-0886. Again, it's 971-270-0886. I really do want to know what you think about this topic. It's something that's really been bothering me. And for those of you that are wondering why I don't have a Discord set up so that we could actually have real discussions about this, it's because controlling a Discord can be really difficult. And some of us aren't ready to connect yet. And that's okay. And some of us are ready to connect. And that's okay too. Just get a hold of me and we can figure it out together. If you haven't checked out Yvonne's podcast over on Fireside, go do that because that's really cool too. It's just you have to have an iPhone right now. Hopefully they will make a patch so that us Android users have that too. Until then, theoretically, there will be a Frank Watkinson song after this. Maybe there won't be. Maybe I'll never find that book. Maybe I'll sit down and make a new list. I'm not really sure what happened to my organizational skills. Everything was where it should be. And then... April happened and it's like everything in this room and in my brain got flipped upside down. So until next time, I'm right here for you. I love you. And don't forget, do something that scares you. Right. Like that's one thing that was so confusing to me in therapy itself. Being misdiagnosed from bipolar to borderline personality disorder Bipolar actually takes medication, but what I've learned from um, having BPD, there is really no medication. It's years of extensive talking your shit out, not harboring it. Now, there's a lot of people that ain't got patience to hear about someone's negative past 365 days a year. That's why we hire people to listen to our bullshit, okay? But, um, yeah, it is very confusing and it's very, 
demeaning when people don't take the time out to understand like the differences and stuff. Now, from this year, I remember like sending you a bunch of stuff like when me and grandma were having our bouts and I believe like I wrote somewhere on Google, like, why does my family hate me? And it talks about being the scapegoat child or the blame child, you know, and that also went into like further of how people overreact over excessive attention seeking. Now, I will say that that is a stimulation that happens in the brain because of past trauma as childhood neglect. Now, this year is the first year I've heard so much shit about like when I was an infant when I was a child, things that I've neglected to remember, things that I don't think is possible for me to remember after all the other past crap I had to put mental walls against. So, um, yeah, I know it's like something that makes people be addicted to food, to, uh, gambling and drugs like opiates and stuff. Uh, your hippocampus that's inside the, uh, adrenal gland, it, gets super small and secretes because it's like when you're stuck in a fear flight or flight response as a child you're developmentally stunted in growth in the brain and so it's like even though your body's doing all the normal pumpings with uh the neurons the all the other crap serotonin and dopamine it's like when your brain's secreting what's supposed to be a good thing there's no room for it to like get down and it has like no area to land on to go and fight to do the work you know um so i think that that is a possibility that is angering people is the over excessive attention seeking now i've called myself on that shit too it's like i had to no one else is gonna do it i caught myself when i'm getting sad lonely not talking to anybody like why does my brain go straight into Oh, I'm going to go kill myself. That is irrational. I understand it's irrational just to jump straight into that. That is a lifetime of things that have happened. Now, back in the past, I wouldn't have been able to think of it on the outskirts like I am now, but I do believe that that is a part of a chemical imbalancement in my brain. It's not secreting right. It's not firing right. It's not going to do the job that it needs to do. And that is why I have to call myself out like, hey, is this truly what I'm feeling? Is this something else? Is it my diet? Is my sleep? Is it my, what the fuck is it my seizures? You know, what is it about me that's causing me to do this and act like this? Now, I am sorry And I apologize to so many people that have met unhealthy people that never wanted to seek treatment or to get better. That is a whole different step versus the ones that are genuinely trying to seek treatment and get better. Like, I'm so much different than he's not going to counseling. He's going to stay a jerk. I'm going to be fucking fantastic because I'm getting the help.